We're going to continue this morning what we started last Sunday, teaching on trust. In Proverbs 3 and verse 5, we are instructed to trust in the Lord with all our heart and lean not on our own understanding. Trusting in the Lord with all of our heart and not in our own understanding. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you and I praise you, Lord God, for opening the eyes of our understanding, the eyes of our heart. Bring us to a place that even in the middle of the mystery, we can trust you. Bring us to a place, Lord God, where we're quick to believe your word, to act upon your word on your promises. In Jesus' name. So I thank you, Lord, for the anointing on the word of God this morning. May it penetrate our hearts. May our ears be open and receptive and our hearts be responsive to that which you are speaking to each one of us personally as well as collectively as a local church known as Grace Church. We thank you for it in Jesus' name, name above all names, amen. Praise God. I don't know if you've noticed it or not, but I, over the years, as I continue to expose myself to the Word of God and to scriptures, I I keep becoming more and more aware of the fact that the Word of God, the gospel narrative, is not a try-and-try-harder gospel. My first several years as a, as a follower of Christ and in reading the scriptures, I, would, I would, had a tendency to receive instructions from the word of God. as okay, I, I need to incorporate this. I need to try this. I need to try to be better at this and try to be better at that. And it was always, to me, it was always a try and, and try harder and try harder. And one day I'm going to finally clear that hurdle and I'm going to be home. I'm going to be home free. But... As I kept tripping over many times what seemed to be the same hurdle, it finally occurred to me, it was over a process of time, that the gospel is not a try and try harder gospel, but it's a, really, it's, a, it's a call and an invitation to trust in, to believe in, and to yield to the Lord Jesus Christ as being faithful to me, as being infinitely reliable to me, and that I could count on him at all times because he is constant and he is unchangeable. And I've come to a place and still am coming into it to a greater degree of of understanding that in God's faithfulness toward me, he has taken care of me through Jesus Christ, my Lord and my Savior. The things I would be trying to get better at, I finally realized I don't have to try to be better at righteousness. I have been made righteous in Christ Jesus. I don't try to, so I'm not no longer trying to be more holy. I have been made holy. And when I recognize that I've been made holy, that I have been made righteous, now living out a life of righteousness, living a life of holiness has, has come to, has become much easier in the sense that I'm doing it now because I trust that's who I am not trying to become. It's who I am. It's not who I'm trying to become. And so we want to continue to hold fast to our confession of our hope without wavering for God who has promised, given us promises. He is always faithful. He's trustworthy. He is infinitely reliable. And we are coming to a place where we are growing in that. We are trusting in him. So trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. When we're speaking of trust, we're talking about having a firm belief in the honesty and reliability of another. 
In this instance, we're talking about trusting in God and in the promises of God. But even in our, even in our horizontal relationships among one another, you know, what, what, is, what is our disposition? Are we a, basically a trusting person or are we basically skeptical? I'm not saying we just drop all of our guard and we trust every advertisement that comes our way and we trust everything that comes over the, uh, over the media to us and whatever platform that you're getting your information. Matter of fact, a lot of you might do well not to trust it and just turn it off. Take a fast and learn to trust God first and develop a trust in God. So we want to come to a place where we are trusting God in, in, in every situation in life. Where there is a trust, there is a readiness to venture. When you trust, you're ready. Peter trusted Jesus when Jesus invited him to come out of the boat and to walk on the water. So he trusted him. He said, well, you know, the, the idea there is that if Jesus is inviting me to come to him, he's walking on the water. I'm in the boat, but if he's inviting me to come out, obviously I'm going to walk on water. That's what I'm talking about, that, that where there is trust, there's a readiness to venture. When there is distrust, we are paralyzed, we are braced for trouble, and most often we are expecting the worst. Instead of the best outcome, we expect the worst outcome. If we really want to develop our hearts to trust in God, to, to, to be obedient to God and to his word. And in the areas that you might find yourself struggling in trusting God because of hurt or disappointment or an experience that didn't turn out the way you trusted it was going to turn out, I want to challenge you right up front to take another look at God. And give him the benefit of the doubt. And I'm saying that based on the fact that God is most likely not the one that disappointed you. It was, it was either incorrect doctrine or it was another believer that you thought you trusted in, failed you. And you're putting, the, you're putting, we're putting off onto God what God didn't do and, we're, and someone else did it, but we're putting it off on God. Some people don't trust any churches. They don't trust any clergy because they've been abused by clergy. It sounds reasonable, but that's not a reason not to trust in God. Where there is trust, there's a readiness to venture. There's a readiness to obey. There's a readiness to step out of the boat. There's a readiness to go the second mile. The psalmist said it's better to trust in the Lord than to put your confidence in man. And then also in another psalm, he said, put your trust in the Lord because he will protect you. So we want to be trusting in the Lord, have that firm belief in the honesty and reliability of the Lord our God, and also developing, coming to a place where we are better at trusting other people because we have discernment. We know what's trustworthy and we know what's not trustworthy because we have the wisdom of God. We have the confidence of God on our side. We believe that God is protecting us. And when we believe that God is protecting us, we, are, we have a, a greater Capacity to love, knowing that he will always care for us and he will always protect us. So trust in the Lord with all your heart. Everyone say, with all my heart. 
trust in, believe in, yield to the Lord Jesus Christ as one who is faithful. He's infinitely reliable. He's to be counted on at all times, even while you are in the middle of the mystery, while you are experiencing great stress or pressure, or you are, you are sensing that, man, I am paralyzed by, the, by fear. I'm not in a position to trust anyone. I want you to know that in the middle of the mystery, even in the, in the midst of experiencing great fear and, and, and going through a, a very stressful season in life, experiencing pressures from all around, God is faithful to his word. There are way too many stories in the word of God that tell us that in the, in, in the fire, through the fire, and through the valley, the valley of the shadow of death, you know, God is with us, and, and people come out victoriously. But the key to it is, the primary key that I want us to, to, to focus on and to begin working on in our lives in, in learning that God is infinitely reliable, he is dependable, he is trustworthy because he is faithful. First and foremost, God is faithful to his word. If we don't have a foundation of the word of God, say, what's God faithful to? What's, what, you know, it can't just be subjective. He has to be faithful to something. And he's faithful to his word the written word of God. And 2 Timothy 3.16 tells us that uh, all scripture is given by the inspiration of God. That means it's God-breathed, God-ordained, God-originated. All scripture, all scripture is by the inspiration of God. God-breathed, meaning it's life, it's energy, and it's power. And if you picture it, if you can picture it like this, it's like a musician would blow on an instrument to produce a distinct sound. God, as a musician, would blow on an instrument, whether it be a trumpet, a flute, whatever, and to make a distinct sound. God moved, God breathed on those that wrote the scriptures, and they temporarily became the instrument through whom he expressed his heart. They were simply instruments that God used to express his heart. The Bible is God's word delivered through human writers' instruments. Sometimes people say, well, isn't that old? Isn't the Bible old? It's been around for years. Isn't just an ancient word? Haven't we progressed beyond that? And, you know, I like to think of myself as being progressive. Well, we should be progressing in the things of God, in our developing our trust in God, but we need to have a foundation. I'm of the firm conviction and the belief that as born-again children of God, in being progressive, I'm not progressively searching for truth. I am progressing from the truth. The Word of God is truth. And as Christians, we need to have an anchor. We need to have a foundation. We need to believe. We need to have the same launching pad. And, it's, and, and we are launching from truth. So I'm not out there being thinking in my mind, I'm being progressive and I'm searching for truth that you poor Christians haven't found yet. You're still believing in something that's ancient. Ancient it may be. 
It may be old, but it has modern applications to it. Amen? Amen. So it's God-breathed. The instruments wear out. The instruments wear out. But the one who created the breath that made the sound in the instrument, that power, that pneuma of God, has never departed from his word. It never departed from his word. And so the pneuma, the life and the power of God that originally created the word of God and continues, which continues to sustain and uphold the universe is still working, it's still active, it's still alive in this world, upholding, empowering, just as it was the day it was penned by the original writers. Hebrews chapter 4 tells us that the word of God is living. It's living, active, powerful, and it's still alive. It's reliable, meaning it's trustworthy, as it's written in Timothy 3.16, 2 Timothy 3.16, it's inspired, it's God-breathed, therefore it is to be trusted in with all of our heart, and, and we are not to lean on our own understanding. We want to come to a place where we are exchanging reasoning for trust. Exchanging reasoning for trust. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. We many times want to say, well, yeah, I'm really purposing to trust in God, but at the same time, we're leaning on our own understanding. We're in the middle of the mystery, and we want to solve the mystery. We want to solve it, and then we'll, when, once we have it resolved, then in our minds we're thinking, okay, now I can trust, now I can believe. God is calling us to trust him. Come on, Peter. Come out here. Walk on water with me. Peter got out and walked on water with him. Trusting the Lord. So I want to give you a couple uh, examples from the scriptures. Well, I have a couple. I don't know how many we'll get to. But a couple stories in the word of God that you most likely have heard them. You're familiar with them. But we want to look at it from a, we want to approach it from a vantage point of, how can I learn from this story? How can I apply that to my life when it, in, in applying and developing trust in my heart for the word of God, for that thus saith the Lord moment in my life? How can I respond to it with a heart of trust, fully reliable on that word? I believe I heard it. I believe I see it in the scriptures. I can trust it because God has said it. Even when we're in the middle of a mystery, you're in the middle of the valley of the shadow of death, you're in the middle of a fiery furnace, whatever your circumstance may be, you're in, and sometimes you may think, well, I'm in such pain and discomfort, I can't even think straight. Coming to a place where in the middle of the storm, in the middle of the mystery, I am trusting the Lord my God. I'm trusting the Lord my God. The first one I'll use is one I'm sure you're very familiar with. It's found in Luke chapter 1. If you have the Bible with you, I encourage you to open up the scriptures to Luke chapter 1. It's Mary, the mother of Jesus. Just forget about Christmas now while we're reading this, all right? Because many times we read this, we're thinking about Christmas, and our mind goes to, okay, you're my shopping list and my party and my guests that are coming, and I have to go here and I have to go there. So this, it's not Christmas. It's March 1st. 
But there's, there's, there's something in here that we can learn in applying trust. There's a wonderful example of trusting God and the process that Mary went through to come to that place. You're familiar with the story. Uh, the, the angel of God appears to Mary and he brings Mary a message from God. He tells her that she is highly favored um, um, among the Lord and she's blessed among women. And in verse 29, it says, but when she saw him, speaking of the angel, she was troubled at his saying. So she was troubled at the word she just heard. Have you ever been in a situation in life and all of a sudden the word of the Lord comes to you and it troubles you rather than makes you feel peaceful and calm and collected? It troubles you. Have you ever experienced that? Am I the only one? I know you've all experienced it. All I need to do is just start talking about tithing. Oh, I believe the Bible, Pastor. I believe God is infinitely reliable to be trusted on at all times. Okay, let's talk to you this morning about what the Word of God has to say about our stewardship. Ah, that's troubling. That's, tro that's troubling me. That's what Mary was feeling. The same thing you're feeling when I start talking about your finances, your stewardship. She was troubled. She, had, she received a word from God, and it just didn't make her feel, oh, I feel so peaceful. I feel so favored. I feel so blessed among women. Aren't I special? No, she was troubled. She was upset. She was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Troubled, considering... I think the original King James is, is, you know, if you have the original King James, that really means you trust God. That's what that means, all right? <laughs> the original King James is she cast about. I mean, she was casting about in her mind, considering, casting about. Has your mind ever gone a thousand miles a minute? trying to figure things out. You read something, you heard something, something was said to you, and your mind kicks into gear, and it's just going, pondering, considering, casting, reasoning, the middle of the mystery. I'm not letting the mystery unfold in God's timing. I'm trying to figure it out. I'm trying to get the shortcut out of here. The mind's just running, running, and running. That's what's happening to Mary. She's troubled at what she heard. She's casting about. She's considering what manner of greeting this is. And then the next verse tells us that the angel said to her, don't be afraid. So I think the angel all of a sudden noticed, you know, all I did was gave you a greeting. All I did was say, hey, you're highly favored among God. You're blessed among women. And all of a sudden, you know, she's just off. <laughs> Angels trying to bring her back into reality here, back into the conversation. Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. And then he just really goes into it. For behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth his son, and you shall call his name Jesus, and he will be great, and said all these things about Jesus. Then Mary asked the question in verse 34, how, he asked the angel, how can this be since I don't know a man? You know, casting, reasoning, questioning. Nothing wrong with asking that question. The angel answered and said, it's going to be by the Holy Spirit. It's by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not something you're going to do yourself. This is a mystery. When I just spoke to you, what's just been prophesied, declared over you, you know, you've been casting this about in your mind. You're trying to reason. You're trying to lean on your own understanding, but, and you're, you're asking me, how can this be? And you're giving me all the logical reasons why it can't be, which is true, but... This is going to be by the power of the Holy Spirit. 
This is beyond what you can do in the natural. It's going to be a Holy Spirit thing. And many times what God is doing in our lives and wants to be doing in our lives is a Holy Spirit thing. It's a Holy Spirit empowerment. It's beyond your natural reason, reasoning. It's beyond your ability to figure it out. Coming to a place where I accept this mystery and I accept the fact that I'm going to trust the Holy Spirit to lead me through this, to bring all the pieces together, to bring about the desired end. I'm going to trust the Holy Spirit. Therefore, I'm going to worship him. I'm going to pray, and I'm going to trust him. I'm going to worship him, and I'm going to be at peace, and I'm going to stop casting about in my mind, and I'm going to stop worrying about it. I'm going to stop fretting over it. So it's going to be a Holy Spirit thing. Gives her another uh, illustration of her cousin and uh, another uh, miracle for her to think about to help bolster her faith. Then in verse 37, the angel said to Mary, for with God, nothing will be impossible. The amplified version of this uh, reads, it says, no word from God shall, shall be without power of fulfillment. Proverbs tells us to trust in the Lord with all of our heart and lean not on our own understanding. Mary got a word from God. Now she has the choice. Is she going to continue to lean on her own understanding, cast about in her mind, or is she going to trust in the Lord with all of her heart? The angel reminds her, Mary, you just, think you just received a word from God, and I want to remind you that no word from God no word from God shall be without power of fulfillment. Based saying, trust me, trust me. Verse 38, then Mary said, behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to what I just figured out in my mind. Let it be to me according to your word. Personal expression of trust in the Lord with all your heart. Obedience. Received this from Daniel Manchett of Wednesday night's small group. Obedience is our proper response to God's word. So Mary was troubled at his saying. She considered, cast about, leaning on her own understanding, was told not to be afraid, which basically means trust. No word from God should be without power of fulfillment. It's, the, it's the, the inspired word of God, the pneuma, the energy, the power of God. Then in verse 38 is Mary's expression of trust. It's her personal expression of, I trust you, Lord, with all my heart. When she makes this statement, let it be to me. According to your word, which is infinitely reliable, to be trusted on at all times. I will not lean on my own understanding, but I'm going to trust you, Lord, according to your word. According to your word. What scripture, what word from God have you heard, have you read, have you come across? And you haven't yet resolved it. You haven't yet resigned to the heart of Mary here. 
You haven't yet come to that place of a personal expression of, yes, that is God's word, and yes, I trust his word. I'm going to be obedient, which is the proper response to trusting God's word, and I'm going to, give, I'm going to articulate my expression of trust by saying something similar to what Mary said, let it be to me according to your word. There's numerous applications of the word of God that I need to practice what I'm preaching. Stop casting about in my mind, how's this going to work? How's that going to work? God, how are you going to do this? And God, how are you going to do that? And, and come to a place of resignation to, to, uh, to, to God's word, to the promise of his word, and give forth an expression of my trust in his word and say, Lord, I've been trying to figure this out, and I can't. I believe it's your word because I believe the Bible is the inspired word of God. It's living, and it's alive. It's the same word that put the universe, all the cosmos into place, keeping, sustaining and upholding all things. Even to this day, the sun still rises in the east, and it sets in the west. It's the same God that brought all this and created all this. It's the same word. It's the same pneuma, the same energy. And it's your word, and I want to come to a place where I can say along with Mary, the mother of Jesus, let it be to me according to your word, according to your word. I'm sure there's at least one or two or three or 12 or 100 or a million places that you could go to right now and say yes, I need to reconcile this with God, and I need, I, I, I need to just give up my own reasoning, my own casting about, and come to a place where I say, Lord, let it be to me according to your word. God's protection for you, God's promise over you, God's grace available to you in relationships, when we read that we are to forgive those who offend us, we're to pray for those who abuse us and curse us. That's very hard to do until we come to a place that we believe that God will protect us from that person harming me even to a greater degree. Because one of the greatest challenges to forgiving someone that offends you is that if I just forgive them, I'm letting them off free. In the mind, that doesn't make any sense. But from a biblical perspective and from heaven's perspective, if you don't forgive them, you're the one that's the prisoner wishing the other person were, but the other person's running free. But when we trust God and we say, I'm going to obey you, God, everything within me tells me that I should not be the one, the first one to extend grace and forgiveness and love and mercy but I'm going to trust you, and I'm going to do it. Let it be to me. Protect me from greater injury, from greater harm, from regret. I'm going to do it based on your word, believing that you have the best in store for me. Amen? Amen. Do you have time for one more? Yes, sir. Are you good? Yes. Or do you have enough to work on? <laughs>
Another one of my favorites is found in Luke chapter 5. We won't turn to it just for the sake of time, but in Luke chapter 5, we can if you want, but it's for uh, Jesus borrowed Simon Peter's boat. He had been out fishing all night. They didn't catch any fish, came back in. They were cleaning their nets. Jesus comes along, and he asked Peter to borrow his boat, got in his boat and went out and preached to the multitudes from the, from the boat, came back in and told Peter, launch out into the deep for a great catch of fish. Remember, Peter fished all night. That's professional fishermen, that culture, that, with the tools that they had, that's when they fished. That's when they dropped their nets so the shadow from the sun wouldn't scare the fish away. Multiple reasonings for fishing at night, but this time they fished all night and didn't catch anything. The word of the Lord came to him. Everyone say, the word of the Lord. God's word came to him and spoke to him, said, Peter, launch out into the deep for a great catch of fish. Peter said, reasoning, casting about in his mind, Peter responded, Lord, we just fished all night. You gotta be kidding me. We didn't catch anything. I love this story because Peter, he's arguing about what he did, but yet he had nothing to show for it. But bless God, we're still gonna argue that my way is the better way. You don't have any fruit for it. You can't prove it, but you're convinced in your mind that the way you have been doing it, have always done it, the way your parents have done it, your grandparents have done it, is the best way. Well, how's it working? Well, that's, that's not important, but this is the way we do it. So we fished all night and didn't catch any fish. But he processed it very quickly. Processed it very quickly. I think when he said we fished all night but didn't catch any fish, I think when he said that he hurt himself. Do you ever hear yourself and recognize, do you ever convince yourself you were wrong? That's what happened to Peter. He said, we fished all night, but we didn't catch anything. Hmm, I guess that wasn't the best thing to do. Perhaps I should obey God. So, and Peter quickly made this statement. This is a statement that will help you many, many times. He said, we fished all night, but didn't catch anything. Nevertheless, everyone say nevertheless. That's a transition statement. That's from leaning on your own understanding to nevertheless, at your word, I'm going to trust you. Nevertheless, at your word, I will. Mary said, be it unto me according to your word. Peter said, nevertheless, at your word, I will. Those are statements, transitional statements that we see in Proverbs 3 and verse 5 when we are told to trust in the Lord with all of our heart and lean not on our own understanding. So the transition from leaning to our own understanding to trusting in the Lord with all of our heart many times begins with you saying to God, nevertheless, in the middle of this mystery, in the middle of this pain, in the middle of this discomfort, in the middle of this squeeze that I'm in, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you. Let's do it your way. Let's do it God's way. Nevertheless, at your word, I will. And you read the rest of that story. They launched out into the deep, let down their nets in the middle of the day, and they caught so many fish that they had to call for their partners to assist them in bringing in the harvest. There's a harvest to be won. There's a people to be reached. It's not just about fish. That whole story ends up being how God's going to make us all fishers of men. 
And we come to a place where we're no longer leaning on our own understanding. Even as Christians, even as church leaders, we need to stop figuring out, well, this is the way our forefathers have done it. This is how we've been taught to do it. But what does the Word say? What does God's Word have to say? Let's do it God's way. What do, how does the Holy Spirit want to lead this? What would the Holy Spirit say about this and come to a place that I can trust the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name? You can trust the Holy Spirit. You can trust God. He'll never fail you. His word is infinitely reliable. Trust him even in the middle of the mystery. Trust him to step out of the boat onto the water. Trust him to launch out again. One of the hardest things to do is when we try something and we fail, and then God comes along and says, do that again, but let's just tweak it just a little bit. But no, I don't want to go there. I did that. It was, the, the end result was horrible. It was painful. Just a tweak. Hear from God and trust him. There's another story where they were fishing and they didn't catch anything and God just, Jesus shows them, did you catch anything? No, we didn't. Well, put the nets on the other side. Put the nets on the other side. They caught a large catch of fish. Just some simple adjustment from the word of God. It doesn't have to be a big dynamic change. Changing the hour of the day that you do something, changing from the right side to the left side, that's not that big a deal. But when it's a word from heaven, it can make a huge, huge difference in what God wants to do in us and through us. And remember, ultimately, he's leading us and he's bringing us and he's supplying us and he's providing for us. Yes, it was a great catch of fish, but ultimately it was leading to a great harvest of souls for the kingdom of God. And that's why God wants us to trust in him so that we can reach souls for the kingdom in Jesus' name. Amen. Will your purpose to trust him? Will your purpose is to take another step of obedience and expression and expression of obedience is trusting God. Father, in the name of Jesus, help us all to continue to grow and to build up our confidence, our trust in you, believing that you are infinitely reliable, to be dependent on at all times in every season, even in the mystery. We trust you, Father. Bring us to a place, Lord God. Give us fresh eyes that when we read the word of God, that we don't look at it as an ancient piece of literature, but we look at it as a living, powerful, energy-filled word from heaven, that you stand behind every word of it, that no word will ever be without power of fulfillment in our lives, that in, the, in the, whatever mystery we're in, whatever trial we're in, whatever valley we're walking through, Lord, cause your word to come alive as we step into just a, a little sliver of trust. Seize that moment, Lord God, and, and just enlarge it so that you can enlarge our territory, you can enlarge our hearts, our capacities to believe you, to trust you in Jesus' name. Leaning less coming to a place where we're no longer leaning on our own understanding, harboring our own experiences and deciding whether you can be trusted or not based on what happened or what someone said or what someone did. But Lord God, we've resolved all that. We give it up 
And we say we trust you in Jesus' name.